This is Opinionated, a roundtable debate that fascinates with each new thought-provoking guest, the place to convey strong ideas and at times the casual controversy. Join features editor Ben Schiller and reporters Anna Batakova and Danny Nelson as they push the conversation further with their own criticisms and reactions to the latest Bitcoin and crypto news from around the world. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Hi, everybody. This is Ben Schiller, and this is Opinionated, and I'm joined by two lovely co-hosts here, Danny Nelson. Hi, Danny. Well, you're well, not very lovely. But I'm pretty. You have your moments. Yeah. And the great uh, Anna Bedakova is joining us from Moscow, I think. Hello. Yes, that's true. And Anna, we're going to be talking about your excellent journalism today, an excellent story you've just put out with uh, Coindesk, which is really, really intriguing, I have to say. And in, in the years that I've been working at Coindesk, this is one of the best things we published. Thank you, Ben. Really real journalism. So just to give our readers and listeners a taste of it, here's the headline. For $200, you can trade crypto with a fake ID. The idea here is that there is a black market. I mean, it's not so hidden, but it's pretty black market for fake IDs that allow you, the crypto user, consumer, trader, to go on a site like Coinbase Pro or Binance or any one of those uh, favorite platforms that you use every day, and basically to use a fake ID, which you bought on this black market. So Anna, I mean, this is, this is an incredible thing. And just to be clear, this isn't a sort of isolated phenomenon. There was something in your story, uh, one source in your story was saying that they were processing up to 2,000 of these synthetic verified accounts every month, which would suggest that there's a huge number of synthetic, i.e. fake IDs operating on these platforms. This is pretty amazing. Yeah, it looks like this black market for verified accounts is uh, pretty huge. I talked to one of the, let's call it, vendors who are selling these accounts, and he indeed told me that, you know, they're hawking up to 2,000 accounts every month. And this is just one player in this market. And there are multiple vendors of this kind, like multiple people who are buying, selling accounts who are registering accounts on their names and then turning them for sale. And there are also people who are hacking other people's accounts and uh, getting unauthorized access to them. It's interesting that it's not exactly unique to crypto. When you look at the traditional financial industry, there is such a thing as a money mule, like a person who would basically lend their bank account, their bank card, for you to launder your money on their name. But it turns out that, you know, crypto is catching up. There are money mules in crypto too. Good. So just to explain, I hope nobody thinks that we're uh, condoning this behavior, but it does exist. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So I've got $200. What do I do to get one of these fake IDs? Well, you probably will need to find either a Telegram group that is focused on these things. Some vendors are even running like open Telegram channels where they're advertising their services. Some of these ads are on the specialized forums where, you know, most people never browse, you know, forums that are specialized in uh, illegal identity services, in carding, where people manufacture counterfeit bank cards. Uh, and so on. So you need to find such an ad, you need to contact 
a vendor and say what you want. And then likely you will pay some amount in crypto, most often in Bitcoin, and you'll get something like, like a text file with a data on some people you most likely don't know and will never meet with their personal data and with login credentials. You will also likely get an instructions how to tune your VPN so that you're logging into that account exactly as the person whose name is used would. For example, if that's a Florida resident, then your VPN should be showing that you're also in Florida when you're logging in. Otherwise, the service can ask you to verify yourself again, which for understandable reasons, you might not be able to do. That's pretty amazing. So anyone who's been around crypto for a while uh, knows that uh, KYC uh, can be a real hassle. Just sort of verifying who you are so you can trade on one of these systems is not often not an easy process. It's sort of notoriously cumbersome. And so it's quite a striking contrast that you can maybe go on one of these telegram groups and probably get a fake ID more easily than you can get a, a real ID, as it were. Yeah. And let's be fair to the exchanges and services. And it's not Exclusively crypto exchanges, these accounts for sale, you can see accounts not just for crypto exchanges on this black market, but also for payment services like Cash App or TransferWise or Revolut or Wirex. And what unites them is probably they deal both in crypto and fiat. And these services are trying to locate and block the accounts that, you know, are fooling their KYC and do not belong to actually people whose names are on that. But it can be extremely tricky for them to find such accounts if uh, the users of such accounts maintain a inconspicuous behavior. To your question, yes, we've seen complaints of people who are yeah, waiting weeks to get verified on an exchange to pull out like $100 or even less. And it's a real headache for them to kind of prove to the, to convince an exchange that, you know, they are a real person who means no bad things. At the same time, yeah, that's what blew my mind when I first uh, thought about this topic, that if there is a way around all these KYC processes, does it even work then? Does it even work to prevent real threat actors from entering the field and abusing uh, these platforms? So um, you, you contacted all the platforms and obviously got their, their responses. Uh, I mean, what did they say? Well, they say that some of them said that they are monitoring uh, the dark web and the clear web black market platforms, you know, all these forums and chat groups and so on. When they see advertisements mentioning their platform, they took measure, they, they are taking measures to take, take down the, these advertisements. And, uh, you know, they also have a system of red flags that would show them that the account has been either fraudulently registered or is fraudulently used. Uh, so they might, you know, shut down the account without even explaining to the user what happened, or they can, you know, try to contact the user and restore, you know, if, if, if the user lost control of his account to restore the legitimate owner. Yeah, so they are trying to fight this. But also they are fighting a really big, it just looks that the, there is a real big industry for these accounts right. and it's really hard to notice everything. So break it down for me. 
simply, is the value of this type of service really only for money launderers? Like what if, when I'm buying a fake ID, when I'm buying a, basically a fake account um, in order to get crypto, is the true, is the, perp- the purpose that I'm doing that, is it just to launder money or are there other reasons that people are doing this that you, that you found? That's been a big question for me. Like, why would people, why would people do that? Like, uh, what would they do with these accounts? I talked to a cybersecurity expert from, from the cybersecurity firm Zero Fox. His name is Andrew Goon. Uh, and they, it turned out they did quite a, quite a big research on this black market. Uh, and they believe that it's mostly illegal activities people are trying to do with these accounts to cover tracks after doing some other illegal stuff like printing counterfeit bank cards or maybe stealing money either by hacking or some other illicit activities and so on. That's the assumption of this cybersecurity firm. One of the vendors who is actually selling these accounts believes that people are buying them uh, for tax reasons, to avoid taxation risks, to quote him. Another interesting thing is that there are territories and countries in which it's really hard for people to register on crypto platforms because the country is either under the international sanctions, like North Korea, or I'm not sure if it's true for Iran at the moment, but let's say so, or some disputed areas. You know, one of the exchanges, their chief operating officer told me that they caught some users faking their accounts. And uh, some of these users just honestly said, see, I'm in North Korea. I cannot register under my real name. So I had to buy account. It's interesting that China looks like a growing market for these accounts. And Dovi One from Primitive Ventures recently tweeted that she called it paid KYC is becoming a thing in China because all the platforms are throwing out Chinese users. But maybe these users can just re-enter as Thai users or Malaysian users or from anywhere else. So this is kind of a complex topic why people might want to buy these accounts. But yes. Interesting. I mean, that sort of raises an interesting moral question about whether people can assume identities when they're trading crypto in the same way they might assume identity on Twitter or or social media like that. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that the whole topic of KYC in crypto used to be a controversial topic not so long ago. Crypto started as a no KYC thing which made it different from banks. Like it doesn't matter who you are, you can use Bitcoin for whatever you want anywhere in the world. It's not the case anymore with KYC implemented all over the place. And maybe in some cases, these policies are even hurting people who, um, you know, like uh, legitimate users, even though KYC is not something we can avoid and it's needed for preventing money laundering. But I think it just has been, and it remains a topic that has two ends. Interesting. So some of these faked accounts are related to real people. So there's somebody who's trading under my name out there somewhere. And then some of them are, I think, actually made up. They're completely fictitious. I mean, could you just give a sense of what you mean by fictitious and fake? So we had a chance to look at some of the accounts that has been on sale in this market, just a handful. 
we were trying to find real people who has the same name, like the same age, who live in the same cities. Actually, Danny has been helping me to call the phones of these people. And we completely failed. We found information on some people whose identity might have been used to register those accounts, but we never were able to get in touch with them because the phone numbers on the accounts would be, for example, Google numbers, and they would not respond. The emails are just a nonsense of made up names and numbers. So it's really hard to say when people know their identity is being used or where they have no idea there is a registered account in their names or if such people don't even exist. Maybe it's a made up name with a made up address and a Google phone number attached to it. Do you have any idea of not only just how big a market it is to purchase these accounts, but how large the flow of funds associated with these accounts are? Like, I mean, in the world of fake account laundering, how much crypto is actually being processed by them? That's like one million dollar question, or even it's more probably than a lot million. more than more than that. Yeah, that, yeah. And, yeah that, that's a great question, and uh, I've been trying to find anyone who would tell me how much money is circulating on that market. But no, n- nobody can say that. Even you know the cybersecurity experts. I'm not sure if you can count that, but what we know is, is that. You know, there are millions of uh, advertisement posts for such services going out in a year, and there are probably thousands of accounts created and sold every month. You can try to multiply a, an average price uh, by that number, but, but, but that, you know, any, any calculation of that kind would be just completely inaccurate. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting how much money uh, is going into that market, but like my assumption would be, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and are most of these sites in Russia where, where you're based? And is there a reason why Russia is always the nexus for all these dodgy things? No, I don't think that Russia is nexus. I just happened to come across the Russian languages advertisements of that. But if you talk again with Zero Fox, who has been uh, researching that, uh, these accounts are sold all over the world. They're advertised in different languages. Again, according to Dovi One, th- there is a service uh, catering to Chinese users that, uh, that is working you know, in Chinese and is working in that region. So um, I don't think that it's something specific for, the, for, for Russia or for Eastern Europe, uh, but it looks like the, the offering here is quite abundant. Right. So, so what's the takeaway here? I mean, do you think this is uh, serious for the crypto industry or is it something you might expect to happen? Is it something we should be worried about for the viability of the market and the kind of integrity of the market? Or how should we think about this in, in terms of its kind of importance? I think that it's just this endless game of cat and mouse, maybe. It's really an anthropological question, you know, that there is no magical technical solution to understand for example, somebody has legitimately registered an account in their own name and then sold it to another person. How would you know that unless you really reconstruct all the social connections of every user, you can't solve this puzzle. So I think there are more or less efficient policies to identify fraud 
which the platforms are currently employing. So I think I agree with you. And I would say, I don't think this is a crypto problem so much as a fraud problem, a financial fraud problem in which crypto being the asset that it is, is a convenient and appealing end to achieve. But you know, this is not new. People have tried to work around security safeguards for ages and in the traditional financial sector all over. This is now happening in crypto. I'm not surprised by this. I do wonder if the response to this type of action might be more aggressive than a response has been in other sectors. I guess it, it's, it's difficult to know until we know how much money is actually flowing through this, but I'm sure that it's a lot. I think you can totally see the existence of this black market will make some people think, oh, again, something salacious about crypto. Like these crypto people are always up to no good. I think you're right, Danny, that you know, crypto is just one of the industries where fraud exists and fraud exists everywhere. So I don't really have an answer, Ben, what this is going to mean for the crypto industry. All we can do is just show that this thing exists and this is what it looks like. I think anyone who's interested in this topic should really go and read the story because it was a product of a lot of work on your part. And this is really, really good stuff. Something we should really celebrate as a crypto industry when journalists are really taking the time to dig and dig and dig. There's so much surface stuff out there and this is uh, this is real investigative journalism. So congratulations, Anna. Thanks for telling us about it. Uh, thank you, Ben. I'm really, I really should be sharing these congratulations with my editor, Mark Hochstein, who has been very, very involved and very much helping me. And Danny, who has been helping to reach out to people and Dan Kuhn, who also did that. So that was a teamwork and it was quite a lot of fun. Teamwork makes the dream work. Okay, I think we're going to wrap this up. Unless you've got something else to say, Danny? Nope. Nope, good. nope, nope. Okay, good, good, good. Thanks very much for, for this. And thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller, Anna Badakova, and Danny Nelson. Today's show is produced, announced, and edited by Michelle Mousseau. Our theme music is by Ellison. Have any questions or comments? Please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 